Hello, and welcome to another special COVID-19 episode of Engineering Reimagined. I'm Maria Rampa. A crisis is generally defined as an extremely difficult or dangerous situation, but a crisis point can also signify a moment when a situation has the opportunity to change, often for the better. You could say that we are at that crisis point, as the world as we have known it is on the precipice of change due to the current coronavirus COVID-19. As Asia is somewhat in advance of the rest of the world in the current coronavirus crisis, for this episode, I spoke to Oricon's Chief Executive for Asia, Stefan Asselin, for his insights about what has occurred, what is still unfolding, what he believes potentially lies ahead for Asia and the rest of the world, and what lessons we can learn from their experiences. I also spoke to Oricon's Mark Morberger, who is an electrical team leader in Dubai, about what it's like working on a live construction project during a period of lockdown. To start, Stefan gave me an overview of the current situation in the Asia region. It really started in Wuhan um, early January. In Hong Kong, we start to be alerted to that probably mid-January. I think largely it's been very well managed in Hong Kong, uh, largely because of SARS in early 2000. So they, they've been through that kind of stuff before. A lot of students returning to Hong Kong or Singapore. And so we had a bit of a spike in imported cases, but they are very good at tracking and quarantining folks. So I feel it's quite well managed. So how are people coping in Asia with the remote working? Is it something that they're used to or is this something new? How is it actually working effectively? I don't think it's new, but it's never been as widespread as, as it is now. And we don't have a choice. So I think wherever you are, whether it's here or somewhere else in the world, in America, I mean, this is what you need to do. Um, we haven't missed a beat, honestly. I mean, can't say that's been easy for folks. So not being able to travel has been a challenge, but I think with the technology so far is working pretty well. It's not easy. I think um, maybe from the Asia lands, if you think of Hong Kong and many places, people do live in very small places in Hong Kong. I mean, it's not unusual to live in 400 to 500 square feet or 800 as a family. Schools have been closed in Hong Kong since January, so that's not easy. And can you tell me about some of the major projects currently in progress in Asia and how they've been impacted? Uh, Hong Kong has been uh, impacted on the hospitality side, less tourism, restaurants, hotels, very sad situation, and the government is providing uh, some stimulus for that to buffer. But in terms of construction sites, it's still open. Everybody wear a mask in Hong Kong, and it's been like that since January. I know actually now the world is coming to it, asking people to go outside with masks. The only business I think is starting a little bit to be impacted would be advisory, working on transactions for potential acquisition. And because of not being able to travel and visit sites to do the due diligence, and usually these are investors or bankers, it's pretty much delayed, and we are looking at ways to do that differently. So with construction sites, even if countries are in lockdown, are they still operating as normal or have they gone on to reduced operations? Actually, they haven't. If you go to a construction site in Hong Kong, it's 100% mask. 
distancing the city of 7 million people. And the new cases are not a construction site. So they are imported travelers. Singapore just went on closed their Singapore sites. The reason is uh, the cluster of new cases. Uh, there's a lot of uh, workers coming across from different parts. So there were some clusters in the housing facilities. But before it was, again, mass social distancing and so forth. Indonesia has a bit slowed down. We still have big projects in Macau that keeps going. And what about the economic impact across Asia? Are you seeing that already? And are there signs of what's coming next? Honestly, I think clearly this will have a, an impact. I think the, the tourism and hospitality sector is a large portion of the workforce in any countries. I mean, I think in America, it's almost 25% of workers are in these sectors and probably any countries you look at. If you look at Thailand, a lot of the GDP is supported by tourism. A lot of tourism were from China, across Asia and the world. So that's been uh, heavily impacted. I think the government here have backlog of projects and infrastructure. I used to say Hong Kong will have 30 years of projects they know they want to do, and they're ready in the drawer. And what they've done is accelerated a lot of that. It's mostly delays, but there's a lot of stuff coming, similar in Singapore. Uh, Thailand has stimulus as well. The infrastructure side always is an area where government can invest rapidly and deploy a lot of people. So I'm, I'm not pessimistic at all with this stuff. You can choose to cry or you can just roll with it and go. So I choose the latter. So in yeah. terms of uh, some of the delays, is it weeks, months? What do you think the delays are really? I think in, in Hong Kong, there's enough work to keep going. I think in Singapore, we lately a, a little bit of delay, maybe a month or two. And I think some clients are concerned about uh, force majeure to be in, invoked as soon as contracts get awarded. So there's, there's a bit of that. But I think by far and large, uh, the delays we see, I can't say, are uh, fully pinned on COVID-19. So usually during a crisis, we see a lot of innovation emerge. What are you seeing emerging at the moment in terms of technological innovation or innovation around delivery of projects or ways of working? Well, I, I'm amazed every time. I, I try not to watch the news too much, but every night when I, um, I try to watch a little bit, and um, most of my career was either in, in San Francisco or, or Asia, and San Francisco is the crazy place for innovation. So I'm just amazed of all the companies around the world what they're coming up with right now. And I'm a firm believer innovation will get, up, get us out of it. So just as a, as a footnote, I think this is, this is quite amazing. And we should never forget that. There's people thinking about that every day. I've seen stuff like companies doing wind turbine in 24 hours, refurbishing ventilator at a thousand piece a day and shipping. I mean, you can not ask a government to do that, but the private sector will get you out of it. So Asia is ahead of the rest of the world, really, in terms of understanding the impacts of COVID-19. So what advice would you give to others about what might be coming next? We're ahead because we got in on the chin first, right? I think China was very quick to close down Wuhan and Hubei province and contain it. And clearly, it was a pretty serious thing. Um, I think originally, if you go back to January and I talk to colleagues, they'd say, oh, yeah, well, 
we don't have many cases here. Nobody worried about it. So it, it kind of sneaked from behind. And like, and honestly, I think it's impacting the rest of the world more than it has impacted here. My advice is if we don't learn from this and take it seriously, uh, the next one won't be at, you know, it'll be the same. Um, if you take Hong Kong and SARS, this was very serious. A lot of people died. A lot of healthcare workers died. So that's why when you walk in the streets, not wearing a mask is not socially acceptable. If everybody has a mask, you can't spread it. And I think the concern was to take it away from healthcare workers. But here they have stockpile. So hopefully the rest of the world will get ready so that we don't have to talk about PPE for healthcare workers. So, you know, we need to protect our frontline. There are the heroes of that. What looks chaotic now will, will not be the second time. And hopefully it won't be as bad. There'll be some medication, hopefully. There'll be some contact tracing and there'll be eventually a vaccine. So what valuable lessons do you think we've learned from this particular experience and how will they shape the way that we work in the future? Well, I think that, you know, the way of doing business can be uh, turned upside down very quickly. Just look at air travel. The first reaction before is to go meet a client or to advance a deal or a project is, all right, you create a meeting and you go visit the clients. So how much we've reduced our carbon footprint with this is quite amazing. And our, we need to question whether we get the same job done with a different behavior. And I think after this, I don't think everybody will work from home. We'll go back to office setting. I mentioned you live in Hong Kong. I don't think you want to be in, in the 500 to thousand square feet all day uh, and all night and every day. So there will be offices, maybe they'll be smaller, maybe they'll be uh, odd desking more and uh, maybe we'll travel less. What about you personally? What changes have you made during this period that you think you'll keep doing after this crisis is uh, over? I call my mom a lot more. <laughs> I Actually, I do. My, I'm from Quebec, so it's quite far from here. My daughters, I have two twin daughters, 20, 21 in September. They're both there. Uh, we, we actually were on personal travel in Berlin early March. Everything was rosy, scheduled a long time ago. So, you know, my wife flies, one of my daughter flies, spring break. One week she goes, I fly in, the other one arrived, and everything explodes. But honestly, we were there. After a couple of days, like people are way too relaxed here. There were no cases much in Berlin, a few more outside Germany, which has been thought comfortable. So we bailed. And so I will be much more aware of this. Yeah, I think it's brought people a bit closer. I mean, I, I said I call my mom more. You know, she's quite the older and my dad, you know, so we tried to connect a bit more of that. So we managed anxiety. Because we, we are landlocked a bit now. Yeah, so definitely throughout the crisis, we've noticed a lot more focus from people about connecting with family. What, what about it in a business sense? Do you think it's changed the business relationships as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the first thing you ask when you talk to a client, you ask about them, how they're doing and, and their well-being. And you're always curious about what they're implementing in their offices. That's the first point of conversation nowadays is, you know, 
have you implement split teams or is your office goes and, and also you know to try to understand how this impacts them you want to be there when they need you they may not need you now they may be in a downturn it may be tough but we're not going anywhere so to be the first people they tank when they need someone for almost anything by the way we would try to help there's nothing like a crisis too to take certain things off the agenda. You know, before COVID-19, we were talking a lot about climate change and sustainability and other issues. Do you think those will come back or what are going to be the focus areas after this pandemic, do you think? Well, I, I'm definitely into climate change. We've hired someone to lead that in the region. And the reason is we know Singapore is pledged $100 billion over 100 years trick to climate change and that's not that's not stopping so i don't think any of these issues will change because some are heavily impacted by it i mean sea level are rising and many of these are coastal cities so no i i think we'll come back to normal pretty quickly when we pass this it may not be like a v-shaped rebound but it could be as soon as the economy restart i think there'll be a lot of spending on infrastructure and things that we put on the shelf that is now time to get resolved because we need to get the economy going. So we, we might get a lot of stuff done after this, just like after World War II, for example. And will there be new areas that we're focusing on more after this crisis that perhaps we weren't focusing on so much before? I, you know, by training, I'm a computer modeler. I've always done pre-complex modeling. I never stopped thinking. Uh, I never stopped challenging the team. We need to figure out how to service what the client needs and listen to them. And that could be very essential things, probably metro station, infrastructure, accelerating things, roads, tunnels, hospitals. It could be special facilities for the next pandemic. It could be how do we remote survey, but none of that is Futuristic. I mean, it's all there. It's just using the tools that are there to get things uh, done better. So I'm pretty focused on executing what we've got and we, we have in the mirror. And if you have the right people, they will figure out how to innovate doing that regular business. We do a lot of our up with an offshore digital center in Ho Chi Minh. That will not stop. I see that increasing because if something is locked down, clearly. We could get that done in Ho Chi Minh City. But uh, already for me, this is business as usual. After this, do you think we're going to be a bit more inward focused and less outward focused? And if that's the case, you know, what would be the consequences of that? A lot of these projects need international expertise. That expertise cannot travel anymore. So it needs to be provided remotely. But you cannot do any of that if you don't have a large local base qualified workforce, which we have in places that are not so familiar for foreign companies like Thailand, we have 200 people. That's provided us to be able to service clients locally and internationally uh, very well. So you said overall you're, you're optimistic about the future. Yeah, no, I mean, challenges brings opportunities. I started in a recession, a bad one in Canada in 90. I mean, there had nothing to do. I moved to Jakarta in 97 in the boom years, and then that the Asian crisis. 
Thailand for five years. Indonesia took almost 10 years to come back. Then you had SARS. I was not here, but I remember we can come here. And these folks here, they suffered. This was the worst possible nightmare because it was killing a lot more people than COVID. Then at the dot-com bus, I didn't mention in the 2000, I was living in San Francisco. We had uh, the GFC, the mining crisis. I mean, there's been a few things. And the one thing I'm sure this will pass, guaranteed. Now, not everybody will survive this in the same shape or form, but they'll, they'll come back, you know, never miss a good crisis to move ahead. The Middle East is another region which has been impacted by the coronavirus pandemic and, like Asia, is continuing to deliver major projects during this time, utilising new ways of working. I spoke to Mark Morberger, who is Oricon's electrical team leader in Dubai, currently working on the Dubai Conference and Exhibition Centre, which is the central building for Expo 2020. The project is moving ahead, with Oricon in the role of site supervisor, having completed the full engineering design. I spoke to Mark about some of the challenges of delivering a major construction project during a time of total lockdown in the United Arab Emirates. Mark, tell me a bit about the unique site supervision role that engineers play in Dubai. Well, I think in site supervision in the UAE is, is quite different to other countries as it's much more onerous in terms of the dedicated manpower required during the life cycle of a construction project. All construction projects in the UAE have a dedicated resource, which could be a mixture of project managers, architects, cost consultants, document controllers, electrical mechanical engineers and inspectors, all based on a construction site um, and working alongside the client team, generally in the same site office for the duration of that project. Essentially, we are responsible for reviewing submittals um, and carrying out inspections on site to ensure the building is built to specification in accordance with the design drawings. How has that site supervision role had to change in the current climate? Yes, so it has been very challenging for sure, um, as during lockdown, um, our design offices have been closed and everyone from the office has had to work from home. However, in construction, the building work has to carry on unless directed by the government and your client. So shift working was introduced on site to keep these numbers to a minimum. Essentially, we've got two equivalent teams and 50% will work from home one day and the other 50% will work from the site office. The aim is this keeps the capacity down on site and enables everyone to apply social distancing. Also, in the UAE, we're currently in a 24-hour lockdown, except for the essential services such as construction. So employees traveling to site must carry a permit obtained through Dubai municipality. So what are some of the other challenges that you're facing, say, with remote working? I think the, the main challenge for me is not being able to just get up and go speak to someone face to face, especially for site roles when there are issues to be resolved, requiring rapid responses to keep site moving forward. Also, it's a lot harder to understand pressures from my team members. But are they overworked? Are they working too many hours? Obviously, this is a lot harder to assess when you aren't sitting with them. And so what innovative solutions have you and the project team come up with to deal with some of these challenges? Well, we have regular weekly meetings with the team 
um, using Microsoft Teams. We also have a WhatsApp group, which has been set up to keep everyone up to speed with the latest developments on sites, as the situation is literally changing from week to week. So what lessons do you think you've learned as well as your team through this time of new ways of working that maybe you can take into the future? So far, I think that flexible working does work. And I think we can still make progress on projects, even though we are not face to face all the time. I am working from home. I am also married and I live with my wife and my 10 month old daughter. However, they are downstairs and I don't really get disrupted by them. But a positive impact for me has been that I get to spend quality time with my family, having breakfast, lunch and dinners and even my coffee breaks with them, which is great. How do you feel about the future? Are you feeling fearful or optimistic? I'm feeling quite optimistic about it because I think being forced to work from home, use digital tools and technologies to assist us working from home, basically proves that it can be done. So I think there's going to be a lot of changes in the future in terms of how we work and where we work from. And do you think that does apply to delivering projects on site? Because that's always been the challenge, hasn't it? That, you know, when you're delivering a, a, delivering a project on site, you do need to be there usually. But obviously now it's been shown that maybe you don't need to be there all the time. Do you think that going forward that will change the way that projects are delivered? I think in the Middle East it it, it might be challenging just because the way of working on construction sites here is very much hands-on. However, from a design office point of view and maybe designers that are based on construction sites can probably actually carry that same workout either in a design office or at home. Yes, you always need your inspectors on sites, but inspectors come in later stages of a project. For mechanical, electrical and plumbing engineers, you need your structure up and your first fix to begin before you actually can start inspecting. But all that front-end work of reviewing submittals and shop drawings, there's no reason why you can't do that from your desk at home or your desk in your office. And what about digital innovations or technologies like robotics uh, to maybe construct on-site? Do you think this experience might open the door to more of that sort of approach? Yes, definitely. And I think in the Middle East, we're already seeing it. There are a lot of contractors out there that are already using design to fabricate methods. And you will definitely see more of that in the future. Innovation is definitely an opportunity in this current crisis and many individuals and organisations across the world are demonstrating how they are embracing the crisis to create a positive change. Let us know if you enjoyed this special COVID-19 episode by rating and reviewing it on Spotify or Apple. While you're there, be sure to subscribe and follow future episodes of Engineering Reimagined. Until next time, thanks for listening.